Well, I want us to look just at these two verses at the end, verses 19 and 20. And the title for this short devotion would be something like this, Praying for the Preacher or the Pastor. The context, of course, is spiritual warfare. Paul is expertly setting out that we need to put on the whole armour of God. That's where we go wrong so often. Twice he mentions, verse 11, the whole armour of God. Verse 13, the whole armour of God. We take one bit or a couple, but we don't put it all on together. And that's the key, the whole armour of God. If we want to be, as he says, strong in the power of his might, we need to wear the whole armour, all of it, all of it operating in harmony together. But there's something in verse 19 and 20 that troubles me, troubles me a little bit personally. I find it quite uncomfortable, I don't know about you, to ask people to pray for you personally. But that's what Paul does here. He effectively says, verse 19, pray for me, because it's the same sentence, praying always with all prayer and supplication. I don't know whether it's my English reserve. Maybe that's a good thing, maybe not. Not wanting to speak of self. Or worse than that, is it personal pride that causes me not to ask for prayer for self? Well, I have to take the Apostle Paul's lead. He says, and for me. He's not really asking for prayer for himself. He's asking for prayer for the ministry. He's asking prayer for preaching. He's saying, I want to teach you how to pray for the preacher and for the pastor. If we go back to verse 18, notice here there are four alls, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That's pretty comprehensive. Four alls that we are reminded to pray for. Our praying should be comprehensive. I often say it. Prayer should be like breath. We breathe. It should virtually be constant. Praying always. Praying constantly with all prayer. All perseverance for all of the Lord's people. And he goes on to say that includes me. I'll just pause there. The great Apostle Paul asking for prayer for his ministry. Oh, surely if he need to pray or ask for prayer for him, I need your prayers. Every minister that stands to preach needs your prayers. So I think there's an exhortation here that we should be praying specifically alongside other things, alongside all the saints, we should be praying for preachers, preachers. Well, what's he actually asking for here in verse 19? The modern translations, I don't know what version of the Bible you have. If you have something other 
than the NASB, the New King James or the King James, you will probably find it says, and for me, that words may be given unto me. That's not really true to the original. It's certainly not true to the meaning. The word utterance is far, far more than words. It means wisdom, knowledge, and the help of the Holy Spirit. Preaching is not just a talk. Preaching is encountering individuals with God and his word and the spirit. I shouldn't really be involved as a preacher in a sense. This is an encounter between each individual and your God with the help of the Holy Spirit. And that word utterance means something like that. Speaking forth in a way which is from heaven in a way which bypasses the earth. If it's just about me, it's man's wisdom, it's man's words. But no, Paul says, pray for me that utterance may be given. Do you know what it's like sometimes when there's a preacher and the Holy Spirit comes and there is power? You don't hear the preacher. You don't see a man. You feel such conviction. You feel as though heaven is directly speaking. We know what that's like and we know what it's not like. Sometimes when the preacher's laboring, you just see the man. But Paul is saying here, I ask that you would pray that I would have utterance. The word, you know it, utterance is the word logos. It's actually that you would know Christ, the word, speaking with all power. And that's something that has to be given to the preacher. Not everybody has it. And not every preacher has it all of the time. No, pray for me that this speaking forth, this declaration may be given unto me. May I have power. May I have, as the Welsh call it, unction. May I have the ability to speak as though God, the Holy Spirit, is speaking directly to the individual heart. Now we know what that's like. That's preaching. That's not a talk. That's not a little word. That's the power of preaching. And that's what Paul is asking for, that we should pray for the preacher, pray for the pastor, that he would firstly have utterance. But the second thing he mentions twice is that I may open my mouth boldly. He says it again, verse 20, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The word boldly means something like pl with plainness, with simplicity, not overly complicated, but speaking the opposite of what we want to hear. What does Paul say in the letter to Timothy? The people want to hear smooth words. They want to hear idle tales. Do you know it's fashionable today? Sometimes I listen in to other churches and it seems every message begins with a story. It begins with a personal anecdote about something that happened or some story. Well, I don't think that's what Paul's talking about here. There may be an illustration sometimes. 
But he speaks in the letter to Timothy, he says that people want to hear idle tales. They want to hear what their itching ears want to hear. Not stories, not just amusing anecdotes and comforting words. He says in 2 Timothy 4.4, They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables, stories, literally. That's what they want to hear, story after story. But no, he says that I may speak boldly. There's a temptation for a preacher. Satan whispers in the ear, don't mention sin. Don't mention hell. Don't mention worldliness. Don't mention the need for repentance. Don't focus on Christ. Just mention comforting words. Words that are pleasing. That's a temptation. And he says, no, I want to speak boldly. And I'm sure he has in mind the truth as I ought to speak. Not what's easy, not what's comfortable, not what people will say, oh, that was lovely, but that was uncomfortable. That was challenging. Speak boldly, plainly, understandably. And then the third thing, which is very noteworthy here, in verse 19, his third request, utterance, boldness, well, he, he says specifically, that he would be able to preach the gospel. That's noteworthy, isn't it? Not just teach the saints, we must do that, must build them up in their faith, but that I may make known, literally declare in a widespread fashion, in a way that can be understood, in a way that's convicting, in a way that brings people to their need of repentance and faith, make known the mystery or this gospel doesn't make sense to the unbeliever. It's so different. The penny doesn't drop straight away necessarily. And he says that I would make known the mystery of the gospel. That I might somehow with the Lord's help be able to cut through what seems to be mysterious. But it's not. It's the plain good news of Christ crucified. And that's his request, his third request. That he would preach the gospel better. Preach it more effectively, make it known. And he says he is an ambassador. I remember sitting in a Bible study as a teenager. I'd just been converted and it was one of those Bible studies where people were asked, what does so and so mean? It was just a small group. And this verse was read and the person said, what do you think, it, what's an ambassador? And I put my hand up and said, it's a diplomat. That's completely wrong. A diplomat, somebody that negotiates. An ambassador has a message that's to be imparted. The ambassador declares the terms. There's no change to the message to be given. They've been given the message by the king or maybe a prime minister, in our case the king of kings, and we just declare it, we announce it. We say these are the terms, repentance and faith and belief in the gospel. No negotiation, I was completely wrong, not a diplomat, 
Not somebody that says, well, let's speak. Let's negotiate. No, I am an ambassador. And Paul says he's in bonds. I don't think he means his literal bonds, although he was. He means he's bound to the gospel, not to change it so that he can speak boldly. He comes with this message. He's got a burden and it's almost as though he's chained to Christ and he wants to be faithful to the message, not to depart from it, not to simplify it overly, not to listen to Satan, that he would cut corners, but that he would speak boldly as he ought to speak. That's what I would ask you to pray for me and for everyone else that stands to preach here, for others as they go out this Lord's Day, as some will, from here, Let's pray that they would have utterance. You know what it is when you preach and you have utterance and you know what it's not. You know what it is when you can preach boldly because people listen. And you know you're in a warfare. That's the context of this chapter. Warfare. And it's not surprising that after the warfare has been explained that he goes straight to preaching and the pastor and the message and the method that he should bring. And we also need to pray that the gospel would be front and centre. Sometimes people say, why do you preach the gospel every week? Well, Paul, in his prayer request, says that I may make known the mystery of the gospel to declare the terms of the king as the king's subjects are called to surrender and to bow. The same terms for all people, everywhere, in all time, for which I am an ambassador, chained to this message, to be faithful to it, not to depart, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray for the preaching of God's word up and down this land wherever people faithfully, boldly stand as ambassadors for Christ. Can you join me in that? Preachers are weak men. They need our prayers. Paul gives us a mandate to put away English reserve, put away our false pride, and to depend upon the Lord and ask for prayer for the preaching of God's word, that I would decrease and Christ would increase. What a difference that will make. Maybe then we will see many come to Christ when that mystery of the gospel is made known and there is boldness and there is power. And surely then the Lord will bless.